Hello, this is Phil Joel and Bob, and you're listening to Hook, Line, and Smile. It's been a little long day, don't get in my way. It's time to have a little fun. Everybody say, whoa! Sarah just showed me a video of a man and a woman, and the caption above it said, tell me where to eat. And what what movie was it from? It was some chick flick. Yeah, it was from the... Nicholas Sparks thing, I want to say. Oh, Bridge over Terabithia. No, no, Bridge no, over no, Madison no, County. No, 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 The Notebook. The Bridge to Nowhere. The Notebook. Okay, do you want me to hand you your notebook? No. It's the movie. Oh. The movie, The Notebook. See, I... I don't know if I should say I haven't seen it because I'm afraid you might. Oh, make we're me watching watch it, it tonight. <sighs> Siri, I hate this podcast. Siri, <laughs> this is anyway. Make a bookmark for <laughs> the notebook. Why would you make a bookmark for a notebook? You just dog ear it. Oh my lanta! Get to the news. Welcome to episode forty-three. This is going to be a hot one. This is going to be a great one. But I was starting out with a non sequitur, mostly because I just wanted to say that I don't know what it means. So I may be starting out with a non-non-sequitur, but you showed me a video right before, and you were like, this is us. And the guy was looking at the girl going, seriously, just tell me what you want. She's like, it's not that simple. <laughs> and the caption was like, whenever you're deciding where to go to eat, mm-hmm. because that is a big thing. Mm-hmm. And I saw this about six months ago, and mm-hmm. I really am surprised they haven't invented it, but an app where a husband and wife get in the car and they both pull up the app like a dating app. Mm-hmm. Only local restaurants pull up. And you swipe right and or left. And you swipe right or left. And when you have a match, then you drive to the restaurant. That's genius. That, we pretty much do that mentally. like We do. Verbally, I guess, is a better way to say we it. We kind of start early in the day, like texting each other Like if we're going to have a date night, yeah. yeah. Like anything but barbecue. Yeah, and I like to do it through text instead of talking because it gives me time to look up the menu. <laughs> and I'm like, well, there has to be a waiter. Yeah. I don't want drive through And I'm like, Subway has a waiter. And uh, you're like, I could Uber Eats. <laughs> I have offered to Uber Eats to mm-hmm. you. Yeah. And one night when I was actually making a lot of money and I stayed out to like 1 a.m., mm-hmm. didn't you look up to see how to order? Yeah, you were at Jack in the Box one time, and I was like, dude, if I order right now. <laughs> you could probably get a. Maybe he'll come home <laughs> with some seasoned curly fries. Yeah. Oh, I've learned my lesson. I know. It wasn't that I missed you. Without... It was just that I saw an opportunity. Yeah. <laughs> you were like, hang on. He's finally <laughs> earning his keep. Uh, speaking of earning our keep, mm-hmm. is that what a non sequitur is? What is a non sequitur? I don't know. What I just heard somebody say is. it in the gym today, and I thought, oh, I, I need to start using that word. And I've never heard that word, and I thought, that's saying a lot for me. You know me. what I, I need to do, though? I, need, mm-hmm. I, I thought this at the gym. I probably should look it up first, but nope, just right out of the, the barrel. Just, just going to go ahead as and. As soon as we started. If you want to donate to our podcast so that Bob <laughs> can learn some new words. <laughs> uh, I was going to bring that up, though. Because Your PayPal is? My PayPal is bob at bobsmiley.com. And my Venmo is bob-smiley-three. And as always, my PayPal is sarah <laughs> at gmail.com. COVID. <laughs> uh, we, we've got a great... I test you every day and you're negative. So, you know, you can quit coughing now for sympathy. Deal. I listen to these, I listen to a lot of podcasts mm-hmm. uh, right after I read my Bible. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times they've got a 
big star on there. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, yes, let's get to the star. Let's get to Toby Mac or let's get to whoever it is. Mm -hmm. And the hosts come on and they just talk forever. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, just get to the. Yeah, it's called a hook. That being said, how how was your day, Sarah? You know, (laughs) it started out a bit muggy. (laughs) There was fog on the horizon. Mm -hmm. It was pitch black. It was really hard to get up for work this morning, Mm -hmm. I have to say. It was super early. It was super dark. It was humid. It was like another perfect day to sleep in. But I can't really think of a day that's not good to sleep in at this point in my life. That is true. You get past your 50s and... Oh! (laughs) We're going to take a short break. (laughs) And I'm going to run around this bed really quick. (laughs) You know what's sad? Yeah, I do. (laughs) What do you think is sad? You know what else is sad? Mm. That's the way I should have started that mm-hmm, sentence. Mm-hmm. The kids were all over us in the living room, mm-hmm. and we were like, okay, we're going to go into the bedroom, and we're going to podcast. We're going to lock the door, leave mm-hmm. us alone for about an hour, and we're going to podcast. And they left, and we locked the door, and we're podcasting. <laughs> Mason was highly uh, suspicious, He though. was. He's <laughs> like, I don't see any podcast equipment. Yeah. And I opened the door, and he's like, oh. Yeah. He goes, well, I'm going to listen for sounds. And so we gave him some sounds. I better hear Mac Powell in the family reunion. Because <laughs> he didn't know how podcasts were going. No, we made kissing sounds just to get him to go away. We did. That is a great thing, especially with our 14 and 15-year-old. Mm-hmm. We can start making, we can just start kissing and yep. they'll clear the room. Yep. And they secretly love it, though. But we do have a huge guest on our podcast this She's week. not huge. She's lost a ton of weight, actually. She has dropped 20 pounds since she's we saw her She's beautiful. She's summer. beautiful with 20 pounds or without 20 pounds. But yeah. she'd worked really hard, so. Yeah, so kudos to our guest, Shonda Pierce. <laughs> and uh, I actually got to open for her at one of her actual shows. Now, I've done some shows where we've mm-hmm. been there together. At CCA, we've jumped up and done some, but I've never been invited to Wow. Tour with what her. do you think the difference is, Bob? 25 years in the biz, you never open for Shonda. What's changed? I think I finally got a good tight 10 minutes. Mm. I think I'm finally getting my stage legs. I can tell another 10 you ain't going to get. Here's what edit at 6 minutes and 30 seconds. We, I had to. You set me up. No, here, here's why I bring that up. So I, I always wonder that. I get to Austin, <laughs> Texas, and I am finally getting to perform. I do my first set on mm-hmm. Friday night. It goes pretty well. I'm, I'm pretty stoked. And I get back to the hotel, and I get my computer out, open it up, and on Facebook, and I've noticed I've picked up a lot of new followers already. Mm-hmm. One of the first ones was, uh, hey, Bob, I have never seen you before and just saw you tonight opening for Shonda. I have to ask you, where did Sarah get her boots? <laughs> what the heck? <laughs> if you know, you know. For how long have I been doing stand-up? To be fair, I mean, how long did it take you to come up with those jokes? A couple of couple of months? Well, yeah, I told some new couple stuff. A couple of months. So, yeah. like, it took me at least that long to pick out my outfits to meet Shonda. It's, so, that is true. That is the true. same level of preparation. And your outfit went through several different forms, just like the bits that I did. <laughs> like you, you, when you first start, there's just jacket, no jacket. Yeah, spanks, no spanks. <laughs> yeah, double punchline or just one, and then mm. a tagline later with a callback. Yeah, <laughs> hair up or down. See, it's a lot of decisions. Yeah. Oh yeah, you cough it. You cough it out. Just let it go, baby. 
stop. I don't feel good. No, I'm sorry. You're not sorry. I, I, I wish we could afford cough syrup. What did we Our actually PayPal mean? is Bob at BobSmiley.com. Is that what we're calling it now? Yeah. Cough syrup? Cough syrup. Uh, <laughs> what, what did we need to accomplish? Introing this episode? Yeah, we're just Being out on the road with Shonda. Yeah, so we actually got to sit down with Shonda. Mm-hmm. It was funny. Cause I've known her for a long time, but I never w- like to impose on my friends, mm-hmm. you know. And so I always feel weird about asking them. And I'm totally fine imposing on your friends. Right, right. If you've, it furthers your career. You've made signs, taped them onto the window on the, the tour bus. Like, call Shonda, call Shonda, call Shonda. Yeah. I, so I, I just texted her before we even got there because I wanted her to be able to tell me no over text. I was like, hey, on Saturday, you know, if, if you have like 30 minutes, could you you know, maybe jump on our podcast. Mm-hmm. And of course she loves you. And so she was like, Oh, absolutely, honey. Just tell me what time. And so I'd said, really? And she was like, absolutely. Anything for you and Sarah, just tell me what time. And I was like, you know, how about 10 AM? And she was like, tell me another time, <laughs> just any other time afternoon. afternoon. <laughs> yeah. And so we set it up for one. And so man, right at two o'clock, she walked into the <laughs> green room and I told her it was going to be about 30 minutes. Like a boss. Yeah. When you're Sean Tavares, you can walk in at 2 o'clock for a 1 o'clock meeting. That That's is, how you do it. And and we're like, oh. And we say thank you. We we got here. We prepared. Here's a water. Here's a tea. Here's a cookie. <laughs> we prepared a place for you. Here's a mic. <laughs> she was so great. And she talked for like, I don't know, hour 10. I'm not done editing it, but it was about an hour 10. Yeah, we had a great visit. Went on. like, and That's she, what I love about her, though. She's so open she's so authentic with her story with her thoughts and her feelings just how she processes things I she was talked about some things i didn't think she was gonna talk about yeah at least really, on our podcast like yeah it's really great y'all uh, are gonna enjoy it so amazing person and to my new facebook fans uh man i have no idea where she got her boots <laughs> quit asking <laughs> not hey First time to see you, you were great. Mm -hmm. Your wife's boots were awesome, too. No segue, no nothing. Hey, to be fair, those boots are awesome. Every time I put them on, you're like, yep. That is true. Mm -hmm. I lay them by your bed when you get out of bed in hopes that you'll put those on instead of like house shoes (laughs) and stuff, just like in your sleepy state. They're good boots. Uh, I do need to tell the listeners, this is one of the reasons why I want to do a non sequitur, was we are in a very echoey green room. At the time, mm-hmm. and we really did just set up the mics, and Shonda is just so personal and stuff that we were just sitting around and talking. Like, we were sitting in a little picnic table in the green room, mm-hmm. and we were just chatting. So She didn't wear the headphones. She didn't really hold the mic close to her mouth, so. Yeah. <laughs> so, it is probably going to be a little quieter or echoier. Uh, Zach, our producer, did a phenomenal job boosting the sound because I heard what it sounded like before. Mm. So shout out to Zach for that. So it, the audio is, you know, not terrible, but it is it does get a little echo and stuff. And, and and then we'll start laughing and it gets pretty loud. So and you're also going to hear a lot of Bob and very little me. Yeah. But I was sitting right next to Bob. I was a little bewildered, a little overwhelmed, a little verklempt. So we might have to have a part two. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Later on down the road when I can actually form words. You guys know that I have no problem speaking. And this is one of those times that I just didn't speak. So, And like I said, I, I spent most of the day editing it today. And there was very little editing, actually, just listening. Mm-hmm. Because you don't edit Shonda Pierce. Like, right. she is... I, I actually listened for about 20 minutes and then remembered that I was supposed to be editing. Like, I got so... Into enthralled what into what she was saying mm-hmm. and i was there the first time right. and i was so you into knew where it. she was going with it and then i was like <laughs> that's how she got to tour with mark lowry mm-hmm. 
oh, wait a minute. I'm supposed to be listening for ums and so. Mm-hmm. And, and so I had to go back. She's great. She is phenomenal. And you guys are about to be in for a huge treat uh, with Shonda Pierce. But let's talk about our woo moments first. Woo moments of the week. Let's oh, keep are we doing that? Yeah, let's do it really <laughs> quick. Okay, so our my woo moment is obviously, I don't know, a little game called Quiplash. Yeah. So Friday night after the show, Shonda graciously invited us back to her inner sanctum, i.e. her tour bus. Um, if you've ever traveled with an artist or been backstage or seen a tour bus, like that is their place to go and just relax. It's our and, cocoon. Yeah, just be safe and be themselves. And so to be invited into that and to be able to hang out with her and her crew and, and play games and just and fellowship it's just a was a fun place. It I've was heard just super nice. I've heard so many people ask me, like, what are the tour buses like for, for the big headlining stars? Mm-hmm. Like, I bet it's all just like beer and vodka and, you know, uh, wine and all that. And we got on that bus and honestly, like all those bottles were empty. Like right. there was so no, there was no, there was no liquid form of anything on there. So yeah, all you people that are looking for hypocrites, look, look elsewhere. <laughs> Uh, we did. We got on the tour bus. It was so much fun. It was fun. And the fact that she picked Quiplash, a game that we play. Yep. I mean, I think that's a pretty obscure game. It was hilarious. We had a great time. So that was your woo moment? That was my woo moment. Just being with her on her tour bus and also getting to travel with you to Austin. <laughs> my <laughs> woo moment is almost exactly the same, is only it? I'm going to give you a little shout out. So we, I walked on the bus, and I've, I've done comedy in the past, and Shonda Pierce is pretty good. She's pretty <laughs> funny, you know? The and best. Her uh, tour manager uh, has tour managed some of the top comedians and is now tour managing the top comedian, in my opinion. And so he's super funny. Mm-hmm. There was a guy from Food for the Hungry who's just been around. He obviously was from Seattle, or his <laughs> clothes were. Uh, his toque was. And it was what, just a balmy 89 degrees outside, mm-hmm. and he had that toque right on his head. Just mm-hmm. like, make sure, hello, I'm from Seattle. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was super funny. Mm-hmm. So we're on a bus. And with, Rebecca. And remember? Rebecca. Oh, oh my I goodness. I gotta forget about Rebecca. She was amazing. So Rebecca works with Awakenings. She, she won't care if I give her a shout no, out. I don't think so. Super sweet girl. The events. And she got on the tour bus, and she does she not hold back. nailed it. So Quiplash, you have to come up with answers to these questions, and then everybody votes on the funniest answer. Mm-hmm. Here's my woo moment. In my past life, it's always just been me and mm-hmm. my friends. Like, And you have come in and kind of taken the spotlight a little bit, no. if we're being honest. If we're being no. honest. Shonda just fell in love with you. So you got on the tour bus with some pretty top-notch comedian people, and you were killing at the game, <laughs> coming up with the funniest <laughs> answers. None of which that I can repeat on here because right, we have twelve year olds Because I was listening. allowed to be slightly inappropriate. But it was so funny mm-hmm. to the point where Shonda would read something and just burst out laughing. She was like, "Oh my gosh, Bob!" And then it'd pop up and it'd be you <laughs> who had written that. And so, well, it was we did. So you can good. make your own username, and yeah. so you and I did create usernames that mentioned the other person and so it was a little bit confusing but that was my woo moment is i was just so just proud of how you were holding your own you know in the comedy world it was it was so well thanks for making me feel comfortable and welcome and loved uh and then my other woo moment is actually like i did that i did those two shows in austin Mm -hmm. for shonda just for the honor of opening for shonda so it actually cost us money because we had to go I get a hotel, and then we you had to have the In-N-Out burger, and no, I don't so like In-N-Out burger. We had to have 
edit at sixteen forty. We had to visit Goodwill. We did go to Goodwill. That was so much. There, there were so many moments on that trip that I was like, "You are my person." There was a moment where it switched from me being out on the road and you just traveling along with me mm-hmm. to you were Moses and we were wandering around in the wilderness and you were like, "There's a Goodwill over there. Let's go." You know, and it said Halloween headquarters, which oh, is your favorite holiday. So great, and it was literally the Halloween headquarters. Yeah. I've never seen anything like it. Yeah, it was, it was amazing. Organized. So if you live in Austin, then uh, go check that out. See, I don't know if that picked up on the podcast, but that know. was loud. Uh, so, but I actually have a paid gig coming up. I'm actually what? going to San Antonio this weekend. So wait, this, wait, wait, back up the train. Yeah. You're going to get a paycheck? Yeah, yeah. Stop it. I have to split it with six other comics, but <laughs> it is, hold on, I don't even know what I'm getting. I After just know taxes, it'll be $11. Paid. No, uh, Cleto Rodriguez, a good friend of mine, is uh-huh. bringing us in, and he said, I didn't even look at the contract. We are splitting a plate of nachos. Oh, well, okay, you so like nachos. Never so never mind. Okay. Uh, no, I am playing in San Antonio Friday night at Cleto's. Cleto's got like a club slash restaurant. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's, I'm actually getting to headline at kind of a real comedy club. Nice. On, on Friday night. So it's on Friday night. This comes out. Give us the date. Thursday. So that will be October 23rd. It's at 8 p.m. And uh, he still hasn't sent me a link. Okay. So what's the comedy club called? Uh, or the address? Anything, Bueller. Hold on. I really do want to look. I should have looked this up before. But getting Cleto to text you, Mm -hmm. you have to call all the golf courses and Mm -hmm. find out what his tee times are and then back it up six hours. Mm -hmm. Call him after or text him after that and then Mm -hmm. he might respond. Okay. Here's the info. Okay. Isn't it great how quickly I just found it? That's amazing. Like there was was almost no time in between when I said let me look it up and then whenever I found it. It's lost. How about we take another break? (laughs) I ask you how to pronounce this. Los C H I L A D A S. Chiladas? Yeah, there you go. Las Chiladas Restaurant and Events. So if you want to see me, my buddy Cleto Rodriguez, and Adrian Lucio uh, at Las Chiladas, all you have to do is call 210 365 2452. So. Come see me Friday night. I get to headline a show. It's going to be outstanding. Awesome. And then I'll be ordering pizza at home. Yeah, you will. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because we can afford it now. Uh, so that, that's my woo moments. What, awesome. Uh, what about poo moments? Poo moment. Okay, this is a serious one. I actually discovered that I contracted a disease. Yeah. I've been oh, meaning to tell I know you. about this. I have not mean to tell you, but... Um, I was not around. I have... You were not around. I was actually alone, which makes it even more shocking. But I came down with a bad case of poison ivy on my chin to the point that it looked like a pimple. <laughs> it looked like looked like acne. And so I messed with it and then it spread. And I was like, oh, that wasn't a pimple. That was poison ivy. Uh, just in time to go meet Shonda. It actually healed up. And I was super I think, excited about that. Okay. I, I want to talk about it because it was, uh, I wanted to call it Old Faithful. Bob. It was a gusher. Bob. But it was really painful. It, it, was, it was really, really painful itchy. and really big it was on your chin. Really painful. And so we it, got to Austin, Texas. We got backstage. Shonda was walking down the hallway quickly. Sarah reached out and just touched the hem of Shonda's robe, and Sarah was healed. So I don't know what to make <laughs> that out of that. Is not but true. I am just saying, Shonda Pierce. <laughs> If you have poison ivy. Amazing. If you have poison ivy, go find Shonda. She's never going to be on a podcast. Grab the hem of her beautiful suede jacket and you'll be healed. (laughs) Uh, No, it actually did heal up like 
literally that morning before we met her. So I was super excited about that. Yeah. I was able to patch it up with, with a little makeup. <laughs> and then I woke up Saturday morning and discovered that it had spread to my hand. It was on knuckles of two of my fingers. Mm-hmm. And then today I found some more on the inside of an opposite arm and a pinky finger. So it's taking over my body. <laughs> But randomly, it's, it's like jumping. It's so random. And it, like, there'll be a little itch. You know, you're like, oh, I have a little itch. And yeah. you scratch. And I'm like, oh, no. That's way more itchy than I planned. Yeah. yeah. So I, I'm going to be here for a while. I immediately have to stop itching. So <laughs> yeah, y'all, you, y'all pray that it goes away. When you called me in from the living room and you were like, bring me a book. I'm going to be scratching for a while. I was telling a friend that at work today that, oh, the story, what happened. And she just rolled her eyes and said, the camping trip that keeps on giving. <laughs> yeah. And I just want to say this because we've had some people that got COVID and their spouse didn't. And I'm mm-hmm. like, how bad is your marriage that you? <laughs> so I want to say on this podcast, mm-hmm. I, for some reason, don't get poison ivy. Mm-hmm. I've always been able to just touch it, grab it. Really? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, you should have poison ivy on your body, but <laughs> I won't tell the listeners where. But that's what I'm saying. You is should like, have a really bad case is on I, your right I ear. I don't want people thinking that we're on my right ear, <laughs> but I don't want people to think that there's trouble here in the Smiley household because uh, it, it is very contagious in my family, but for some reason I don't get it. So mm. I'm very sympathetic because my grandfather used to get it if he drove in a truck past a force that had it somewhere in there. I may have played hide and go seek in the woods for about two hours on our camping trip. Well, and, (laughs) but you also told us about your little midnight. Oh, well, I don't think it was that because it would be itching (laughs) other places. Yeah. (laughs) Well, just to be safe, we need, probably need to scratch everywhere. Mm, So, uh, yeah, that's a, that's a pretty big poo moment. What about you? I think I'm pooless. (laughs) What? Yeah, you remember You're that time constipated? I did that? You remember that time I did that, uh, that fast? Your happiness constipated. <laughs> That's what I feel like. <laughs> no, I really, I sat down. Oh, no, I, I do have a poo moment. Actually, okay. this happened this morning. And this is happening a lot lately. Wait, before or after your coffee? This was uh, right before I started editing okay. this podcast. And I got an email from uh, LinkedIn, not bragging, but I'm mm-hmm. a member. Mm-hmm. This is starting to happen a lot where it'll suggest people or they, they've requested me. Mm-hmm. And it'll pop up who they are in, in a photo. And I always, like, and I did that this morning. I looked at the photo and I was like, oh my gosh, look how old that dude is. He's got to be like a pastor of an old Baptist church or something. Mm-hmm. And then I look at his name and I'm like, oh, I graduated with him. Mm. Like that has happened. It happened this morning. I looked at this guy and I was like, oh, he was in my, he was in my class at college. Mm. And mm-hmm. I looked at him thinking like, does my grandfather got friends on LinkedIn? Mm. Like why is, how does he have a connection to me? And so. That just, one's going to come back and haunt you, Bob Smiley. That's what I'm saying is mm-hmm. how I feel. Check I th- those eyebrows and those sideburns, big boy. Here, here's what I'm saying. I am starting to feel guilty that I've stayed completely young. Oh. And all my friends are getting uh-huh. older. So that's kind of a poo yeah. moment. I feel bad for them. You and must have married well. I don't know how to help them. Anyway, we don't want to take up any more of time. Uh, mm-hmm. We actually sat down and said, you know what? We're going to keep this to five minutes. And I think we've done a good job. We've done a great job. And so without further ado, do you have anything else to add before we jump to Shonda? I love her. She is just one of the most amazing people on the planet uh if you don't know her kind of her full story look up laughing in the dark that's kind of her uh, a movie about her life um that she 
I guess like autobiography type yeah. movie, right? Yeah. Um, I would encourage people to go and, and watch that and just enjoy the conversation with Bob and Shonda. <laughs> and you hear Sarah in the background, as it should be. I was going to take a shower and put my face on, and then I realized, oh, it's audio. It's, <laughs> it's a podcast. The only rules are you do have to kind of talk. Like, you can't be way back. You do have Hello. to be kind of up to Hello, it. this is my radio voice. Yes. Hello. I like to hold it like this. Welcome to my radio voice. So you feel like a performer? Hey, I don't want to know. I'm glad I, I, I'm on Facebook Live, but I muted it for a minute, so that worked out good. Okay, good. Just, I'm fixing to do it right oh, now it's for be just great. a minute. I am live for two seconds. I know I didn't even prepare y'all that I was going to do this. <laughs> and you're probably home resting. It's Saturday. You're taking out the trash and cleaning your house as you should. But right now... I had the opportunity to visit with one of my most favorite comedy buds on the planet because he's so stinking funny. So if you don't know him, you gotta look him up and then you gotta follow him on his page because I'm getting ready to do a podcast with him. He has a podcast. I don't have a podcast. I have, my career is in the toilet. But it is Bob Smiley. What up? What up? He is so stinking funny, y'all. I'm in Austin, Texas, and last night he showed up, so I made him get up there and work. <laughs> and he was so stinking funny. Even when the lights weren't working and everything was flashing and it was so distracting, everybody was still laughing. It was so good. And then last night we played this game called Quip. Quiplash. Quiplash. It's a game you play on your phone, on your Apple TV thing. So we were on the bus playing this till about 3 o'clock in the morning. Look at my eyeballs. You have more viewers on Facebook Live right now than we've had ever download our podcast. Total. Well, now that's pit. Y'all. So, I don't think that's true. You no, gotta. That's not true. That's not true. Look, at, look at Sarah, his wife. That, honey, that's not true. She's such a good wife. Listen. <laughs> Seriously, I'm fixing to do this podcast with him, and I'm really nervous because... We have a lot of hard-hitting questions. Yeah, don't tell him what he's going to ask. Yeah. This could be... Look, I'm going to make y'all tired. Oh, something happened. Uh-oh. I'm going to make y'all... Uh, this could be the last thing I ever do in my career. This is, <laughs> he's going to end my career right now after 25 years. Bob Smiley, he did it. Love you guys. Pray for us. We're in Austin, Texas tonight in West Monroe, Louisiana tomorrow, and then home. Talk to you later. Now, uh, when it's over, see, then I can put the link to your website because I don't know how to plan anything. BobSmiley.com. Okay. This is excitement. Okay, a couple things, because we edit this, so if if you say something that you want us to edit, just say edit. Oh, let's don't do that. Okay. But I wanted to give you that option if you, okay, so it's not live. If you wanted to. Yeah. But yeah. oh, that's the other thing I was going to tell you. We are um, very transparent uh, and open and honest, so okay. you can just be yourself. Um, okay, good. Anyway, welcome to Hook, Line, and Smiley, and we are excited. Sarah and I just finished our six-mile jog, and we are getting ready for... You are co- so we're, lying. We are super honest here on this podcast. <laughs> Uh, we actually went to Goodwill. We are in Austin, Goodwill, Texas. Though. Goodwill's so great. Like, Especially if you go to towns where there's lots of rich people. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. That's what I used this to do. This was like the target of the Goodwills. It was oh. so organized and so clean. And it's Halloween, your favorite season. So they yes. had a ton. They had a ton of. Do you have a favorite season? I like the fall because I like the trees when they change colors. And all, the fall always feels like crisp air. It always makes me think of a new start. Oh, yeah. Maybe because that's when school started. You know, that was my favorite time of going to college 
was walking across campus in your sweater, you know. Yeah. I, I love fall. But then I love the spring when all the flowers are blooming, you know, even though my nose is running and I'm sneezing <laughs> my head off. So, yeah, I, I probably, I like about a week and a half of winter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just a, a week a and a half of summer. And then the rest of it, just be fall and spring. <laughs> I, remember, I remember being in Canada in November one time and the gasoline was like sludge. And I got out to fill my car up and yeah. my face hurt like the bones in my face hurt and it I was, was like so how do people live like this and they were all talking about like you're in Texas how do you deal with the heat and I'm yeah, like yeah. I can't so it's I'm all with perspective you. I'm with you like a week a week is good of winter and then and yeah. then I'm out so have you, have you noticed that in your traveling you know for me it's it's all about perspective I learned that early on I was in a car you know back in the day when they pick you up at the airport and oh, the pastor's yeah. husband and wife takes you to the hotel <laughs> and then you get cleaned up and all that well, there was this, you know, this couple that picked me up, and you're making small talk, and I think they picked me up in Amarillo, Texas, and we were driving to some little town outside of Amarillo, so it's a wonder I'm still alive and not dead on the highway. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, so he was asking me what Tennessee was like, and I said, oh, I live in an area, lots of rolling hills, it's just, the seasons are pretty, you know, they didn't have many seasons, I guess, where they were in Texas, and so... And I said, and I just really, you, you should come and visit. He goes, yeah, I went up there one time, but you can't see nothing for the trees. <laughs> <laughs> no way. Because <laughs> like, we were in a car where you could see the next city yeah. 50 miles away, you know, oh, just yeah. flat, flat, flat. And it was so funny because he goes, yeah, I can't see nothing for the trees. <laughs> like, he's so disgusted by that. I'm like, well, that's kind of what we like that's is the, the trees. Yeah. That's the old joke that you could see your dog run away for a week. Yes. You know, that kind of thing. Yes, and yes. it was the same thing because when I moved to Nashville, I was like, oh, this is this is amazing. Like, <laughs> you know, because you had, did have the, the rolling oh, yeah, hills. Yeah. And it was, oh, it was so if good. If we what? have a beach, we made it. We didn't. God didn't make any beach in Tennessee. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, we, uh, we do have some questions for you. And uh, we, we want to ask some questions that you have never been asked before. Oh, boy, so, here we go. Um, How did you get your start in comedy? <laughs> <laughs> no, we don't want to know that. We don't no, want to know that. I don't mind. I don't mind. But I, it is my. I, I've been doing this 27 years. And do you know, last week I did a radio interview for a concert coming up, and they asked the same thing. Oh you know? yeah. And so yeah, these are the questions you hear all the time. And yeah, about you know about a week worth of radio interviews, you just want to kill yourself. Yeah, but, you're just done. Yeah, and and. But the good thing is, those are the questions you have to make the same everywhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can't change it up. <laughs> yeah, people yeah. go, that's not what she said earlier. <laughs> but yeah, I, I didn't, I never even thought about being a comedian growing up. I know friends that, that man, they knew when they were a kid, yeah. they would practice, you know, on their parents. And, you know, I sang into a hairbrush, you know, like a lot of people in the mirror. But I was, uh, I was interested in the theater early well, you on. You could afford a hairbrush. Wow. <laughs> Luxury. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I am, um, but I, I never, I never even thought that comedy would be something I would f fall into. And as a matter of fact, the first time someone called me a comedian, I was pretty surprised. I was like, oh, really? They have that? <laughs> I mean, I, I, as a Christian, you mean I'm allowed to do that? You know, yeah. I'm allowed to say it. You know, I was like this closet, closet comedian in my church. You know. Yeah. But um, I, I fell in love with hearing. The, the gift of people laughing was as much a gift of for me as it was making them laugh. Mm -hmm. 
And um, and that's what I fell in love with first. It's just that audience reaction. And 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 I, and I don't know that it was an ego driven thing. You know, it it was later that, that it became a real ego. Thing. <laughs> yeah. You know, it it was later that I began to toy with it and and study it, and then going, you know, if I tell if I use this word, they laugh harder, or if I tell it this way, they're you know that kind of gets a reaction quicker. Maybe I'm supposed to get the reaction quicker. You know, I didn't have any mentors or anything. The only mentor I had was Minnie Pearl. Mm -hmm. Her real name was Sarah Cannon, and I met her as a young performer at a theme park in Nashville, Tennessee, and I couldn't dance, and and no matter how they tried to, you know, to help me with my choreography, I was there in a show that gave the history of country music, and in order to not get fired and or let go, my boss was so nice to me. He said, memorize these pages. And it was about 10 jokes from Grinder Switch. And so I avoided the big dance number if I would dress up as Minnie Pearl and impersonate her. <laughs> and that was the only, only my first introduction of, in, of going out and making a crowd just laugh. You know, no music, no, no teary testimony, nothing. And watching a crowd respond to those funny stories it was hilarious now at the same time as a preacher's kid every evangelist that came to your church always started his sermon with some little funny Mm -hmm. quip you know to get the audience's attention those were the things I remember now you know you look back and you go those were the things that interested me I never missed Carol Burnett when she came on television you know I love that I love the sketches and all of it, you know. I was a big fan of Saturday Night Live when my parents didn't know I was staying up late watching it. But, uh, you know, when I was younger and, and then in college, I, I, could, I remember when I would audition for a part. I was a theater arts major. I always auditioned for the funny stuff. And it, rather than the bleeding romantic lady, I wanted whatever the crowd was. And if, if, if I did get a romantic part, somehow they would laugh at some point in my, in my performance, mainly when I was trying to do the romance. But um, it was, it, I look back now at that pattern in my life, and if I had had someone come along and notice that in me, they would say, hey, you've got an interest in stand-up comedy, you should pursue that, or here, watch this person, or mimic this kind of idea for your life. And, but I didn't have that. I just got to make it up as I go. Yeah. yeah. We, uh, it's funny because you mentioned Minnie Pearl last night because yeah. we, we're on day two of the shows and I read her biography early on and yeah. was a fan. My grandparents were huge fans and oh uh, it was like a big deal. You know, Bob, that's unusual to find someone your age that it remembers her and reveres her because usually right. people think it's, she's corny, whatever. Yeah. But back, but for her day, she was a... She was breaking walls for women long oh, before anybody else. Absolutely. And uh, she was edgy. She was super yeah. edgy. So yeah. Sarah and I, because I was telling her some mini Pearl, you know, like some of my favorite bits yeah, and yeah. stuff. So she, Sarah pulled up some clips. And so we were sitting in the hotel this morning and we were dying laughing. And one of the jokes was uh, that she was in a hotel and she came down and complained. I'm yeah. sure you've heard this where yeah, yeah. Uh, you could see a guy showering yeah. uh, from across. Naked. The, yeah. yeah naked. Embarrassed. How embarrassing. Yeah. yeah. And then the, the so the hotel guy comes, comes up, up and is like, I, I don't see I, him. I cannot see him. She's like, well, you have to stand on the dresser. <laughs> you stand on the dresser and look through these glasses. You can yeah. see. Yeah. And I was like, 
that's so edgy for, for that, that time. Day. Yeah. But my my parents and my grandparents were great about having me appreciate the classics. So I knew Jack Benny and uh, you know Red Skelton oh, and, and all those Red all those people that that's yeah. what we'd watch. Yeah. And I grew up out in the country, so we would you know we would tape these shows on VCR tapes, and so my yeah. or my grandparents would go to Branson all the time and bring home all these VHS tapes of all the classic old you know older comics that they would see. George Burns. One oh the, wow! One of the best DVDs, actually. As I, as I'm saying this, it was a cassette tape. But it was uh, an evening with George Burns, wow. and he was, I want to say, 78 or wow. 79, and it was a flawless show. Like, it was oh, just yeah. so seamless, like, great. And anyway, I... I love, I love that. So I that was that. one of the questions we did have. Do you have a favorite Mini Pearl story or oh, joke? I always or? love about the Uncle Nabob and Aunt Ambrosia sitting on the porch, you know, enjoying the summer sunshine. Aunt Ambrosia says, did you see old... Made Lizzie Tinkham Street by here with nothing on but a birthday suit. And Uncle Aunt, Uncle Nabob says, I don't know what she had on, but it sure needs ironing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, those kinds of things. Um, you know, uh, when Uncle Nabob was out drinking that corn corn liquor, I think she used to call it corn cider or something. Yeah. Sometimes he said he would drink it to steady his nerves. Sometimes his nerves got so steady he didn't move at all. <laughs> and, uh, and so he... Sh- she said, Aunt Ambrosia was so mad at him, she hid off in the bushes, put a sheet around her, and hid off in the bushes. going to scare him when he come home because he's out so late. So she jumped out and said, when he comes staggering up to the porch, she jumps out and says, boo, I'm the devil. And he said, well, shake hands with your kinfolk because I married your sister. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Those, those old ones, I used to love those. I love yeah. those. When I met her. Um, she was already, you know, well up in her, in years, and, and she wouldn't want to do as much time. We would do corporate shows if, it, if you worked at the park, and a few times she would, you know, be the get special guest at our corporate show, but I would come out in my mini pearl dress, and you know, and they play the music, and they go, howdy, and and, uh, and I'm just so proud to be here. And a few minutes later, just when the crowd was, you know, all into it, here she come out. Oh and then they, so they go crazy. Yeah. Oh, it's the real one, you know. And so it's all really great. And you get pushed aside like nobody. But it was, um, it was those moments that we, you know, we would share a dressing room where we'd get to talk about intimate things. And she had lost her friend, Patsy Klein, and she would talk about life on the road and, and, uh, and how to take care of ourselves. And she was just really great about being willing to just sit and talk to young performers. And of course, as a young performer, we're just eating it up. I didn't have any idea at that time that I would be going into comedy. I wished, I wished I had, so I could have asked her more. Oh yeah. You know, I was kind of like, oh God, this, this is really sweet, but I have a date. I need to leave, <laughs> you know? And so it was it was so sad that I didn't pay attention like I should. But later, down a few years later, when I gave my life to Christ and I started telling my testimony, I always thought it was really interesting that I thought it was really interesting that I um I used the idea of finding a job where six times a day, I mean six times a day, six days a week, I had to make a crowd laugh. Right. And uh, and I felt like it was a gift that the Lord gave me because at that time in my life my life wasn't funny and I was going through some great grief and tragedy and and so I knew I thought it would be kind of fun to to go out every concert I would do or every time I'd get invited to give my testimony I would wear my mini pearl dress and I would do about 15 minutes of mini pearl and people would chuckle and laugh and of course I asked her if that was okay you know because you don't want to get in right. trouble back then and uh and she was really you know was really pleased about it and 
And I would do my mini pearl thing, and then I would take my hat off and say, here's the truth of the matter. God found me a job where I had to make people laugh, and it was the gift of that laughter that began to heal my heart. And then I would tell my testimony, and I'd tell funny stories about growing up in church. I never called myself a comedian at that time. I was just really telling my testimony. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. people kept laughing, which so I had to go to therapy. <laughs> but, but all that to say, somebody recorded it at their church. I think it was a church in Madison, Tennessee, um, at a Methodist church, somebody recorded it on a cassette tape and, and it made it its way to her hands. And she wrote me the sweetest, kindest note uh, that she was proud of me, that she thought I had a really great sense of timing, and then invited me to come speak for her ladies group at her church. No way. And that that felt like to me a, such a sweet endorsement. You know, to, Absolutely. It's one thing to yeah. invite my, you know, and I don't mean this in a in patting myself on the back, but Bob, you and I both, you on the road to, you get calls from friends all the time going, hey, I'm going to be in town, can I open for you? And you're just like, uh, you know, yeah. it's a really short time limit. You know, you try <laughs> to get your way out of yeah. it. To trust someone with your audience because you've worked really hard to build that audience, mm -hmm. it's, a big, it's a big part of trust. Like last night, I, I knew I could, I could say, Bob, you can, yes, please do this because I trust you. You're, I'm not going to have to get up there and clean up a mess or you're not going to brought out something that offends my audience, you know. Right. I'll, let me do that. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah, well, and you're the master, so. <laughs> so yeah. all that to say, her asking me to come and speak for her ladies group, that was, that was a really sweet thing. Yeah, that was 19... 95, I want to say, 1995, 96, before you were born, probably. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But yeah, it was, it was, it was amazing. And I, I would begin to soak in, you know, when I would meet somebody, when I, when I saw somebody that was doing sort of what I was doing. Mm -hmm. um, and, and of course, the first, the only other person I ever met, I met Mike Warnke one time, and then I met Mark Lowry. Yeah, and that was the only two Christian comedians I had ever heard of in my life. It was years into it that I met a guy named Steve Geyer. Steve Geyer, yeah. Um, I don't know if he does comedy anymore. He he does. He's yeah. still. In fact, I think he did a dry bar comedy special. Oh, he did. Or he did something where I saw his name pop back up. Yeah, good. Here, here's here's the interesting. So my first exposure to you. Oh boy. Um, was it was it was actually great. I was in nursery school. I was yeah, and um, I was eating goldfish crackers, <laughs> and they put on one of your no um, yeah. I people all through my life had told me that I should do comedy I didn't know you could do church comedy I didn't right. know there was clean comedy so and I didn't want to have a life in bars and comedy clubs I mean yeah. I, I wanted a life that but I didn't want to have to work while I was there <laughs> I wanted just to have fun and um so my it was either my junior or senior year in high school my youth leader was thinking about bringing in a Christian comedian uh -huh. I didn't know they existed and yeah. so he had a list, and there was only about four. And I want to, I want to, I know Mark Lowry, and I know you were on there. I think Mike Warnke may have been on well, there. Yeah. Um, before yeah. the big fall. Yeah, before the big fall. And, and then I want to say it was either Jeff Allen or something. But I, I, yeah, yeah. At the time, I didn't know any of you yeah. guys. But I remember seeing your name because I was like, not only is there Christian comedians, there's a female, female. <laughs> Christian comedian. And so I was very, very interested and then I told you, we talked about last night when uh -huh. I met you when I was doing photography and just saw you just slaughter. And I was <laughs> like, oh, this can be done. <laughs> and the only other exposure to Christian comedy that I'd had was when I was in college, a uh, girl gave me a cassette tape and it was Paul Aldridge. 
and oh, she yeah. actually gave this to me and said, you need to, this, you should do this. Like yeah. you could do this. And I hadn't done stand up at all at the time, but I was just the funny guy. And so I listened to it while I was cleaning out the garage. And what I didn't know was on the flip side of the cassette tape was George Carlin's uh, seven words you can't say on TV. But I grew up a Christian, so I was not allowed. I didn't know who George Carlin was. Oh, wow. Never heard the famous bit that he. Yeah. So I'm still thinking it's Paul Aldridge. <laughs> and so I'm like, I'm listening and I'm like Man, trying to Christian justify. Comedians yeah. are edgy. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. I was thinking, what kind of church, first of all, did they film in because they're and laughing like crazy. <laughs> and I tried to justify because I was like, well, he is saying you can't say it. Yeah, so, oh, so maybe that's But he's saying it a lot. Don't say that F yeah, word. So that was kind of my first uh, intro into it. And um, I really had a point uh, behind that. Oh, yeah, exposure yeah. to you. So then uh, my next exposure of you, because this is what made me think about it. Because yes. Exposure to her. Caldry. Yeah, the, the the first time he you stood flashed, out in a raincoat. Um, yeah. the first time you you're flashed in, in my mind. Yeah, yeah. out um, by the bus. <clears throat> no, because I mean you're one of the trailblazers for Christian cool. comedy. I know you don't like compliments and no, stuff, but honestly, that. you are. Well, that makes me feel good. And and you've opened doors for all of us to be able to get into places and stuff like that. Like it made it possible, you know, uh, to think one day I can hopefully tour and maybe sell tickets and right. stuff like that. I like could you, possibly pay my mortgage yeah 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 exactly so I got into it this is what made me bring this up is I when I got into it I was touring with these bands I didn't know any other Christian comedian my age you guys were way ahead of me career-wise you guys you were already selling out you know venues theaters everywhere uh Jeff Allen was was super popular so it was Mark uh Mark Lowry you and then uh, Jeff Allen so it was the three of you but you guys like I, there and was we no never saw each other hardly. Yeah. yeah, we didn't, you know. So it was kind of, and then, and then it was me, and yeah. I didn't know anybody else. Didn't know, and so when AOL first became the big deal, my email was. Uh, I tried to get Christian comedy, and it, it didn't. <laughs> I couldn't get it. So I got C comedy. Do you remember what your? And it may still be. Do you still have an AOL? No, email? Okay, I don't good. remember what, it, but it was. Close it was close. To that. Yeah. Because have Shonda I told you this comedy story? or. Yeah. yeah, something like that. I think it was... It was something with a lot of C's. Yeah. yeah. So I get an email <laughs> on my dial-up, and it's got an attachment, and it starts downloading, and it's you, and it's your... I think it was called Be Afraid or wow. uh, DVD yeah. cover. Have I told you the story? No. So no. it's downloading, it, and it's from your graphic design person who emails me by mistake. Saying, what do you think of this? And, and said... Hey, I touched up your eyes. I did like, like they're telling all the things that they did to Photoshop. And I'm this country kid who's just trying to start a career. And I look at it and I'm like, they can do that. <laughs> like I had no idea that kind of technology was out there. They erased wrinkles. Yeah. And they put like spiders in the, in the corner of yes, the photos. And, I remember you know that. Yeah. yeah. And so I didn't know what your email address was, so I couldn't, like, but so I emailed him back, and I said, honestly, this looks nothing like me. <laughs> I am a skinny redhead, and I would, and so they wrote back and said, I'm sorry, but this is obviously entry. for, um, but it, it was, like, oh it was very, I, I felt like I was close to you. Yeah. Like, I, you know, I was, I'm in somebody, the same somebody mistaked me for, for Shonda, um, 
and then the other thing that, that I wanted to say is not only did you open up doors and was kind of a trailblazer, but you've always been known by us other comedians as the person that would always help us, like always, you Aww. know, encourage us and stuff like that. I know it gets awkward to get compliments, but. No, it's very precious. I haven't talked to anybody in eight months. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah that's true. <laughs> But when you say that you started out and there was really nobody to, yeah. to ask questions stuff, I, like I felt, I kind of felt like that because I felt like I, you had you had shown me that it could be done. So, Aww. but I didn't really feel like I had anybody coming up because I didn't know Hawkins, I didn't know yeah. you know any of those yeah. people at the time. But I was like, oh, he was nothing until we came along. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was, he's so good. Yeah. I remember he emailed me. Like, he emailed, he had gotten my cassette tape because he worked in a Christian bookstore. Yeah. And Hawkins emailed me, introduced himself, and was like, hey, uh, I'm starting to do comedy, and I, I got your cassette tape, and I just thought maybe we could be friends. That's how we started wow. being friends. Like, just reached out. He waited out on the bus one time and gave me a VHS tape of himself. Oh, he did? Yeah. Oh, yeah. my God. So did and that then, happen a lot? Like, where people would? Yeah. You know, not a whole lot, but that was how the introduction to a lot of comics happened in my life and having friends like that because you're right. There was no networking. There wasn't, there wasn't just a specific agency that was doing comedy, and yeah. it was hard to get an agent. Until, you know, and that's always the aggravating thing about this business. You feel like you could get work if somebody could help you get work. But a real legitimate agency is not going to sign you until you're, you have work until coming Until you have in. work, so yeah. So it's like Catch-22, you know what yeah. I do. So people would, you know, stop us. When I first started out, I'd probably, I'd probably done what I do 12 times. You know, it it takes a while. Some women's group, you know, across town will invite you. And then word of mouth, you know, from that event gets to another pastor's ear. And then that pastor would invite you. And then, you know, I had a friend, like I said, a songwriter friend who said, we should record what it is that you do. This is really unique. You know, um, yeah. it's not really a women's speaker. You're really funny, but your story is powerful. And and I would sing a song at the end, which was always, you know, seemed to go over really well. So, so we recorded it, and that cassette kind of floated around. Miss Minnie got a hold of one. A guy named Norman Holland from Benson Records, a long, long time ago, he got a hold of one, and he passed it on to uh, Bill Gaither and Mark Lowry. And I had probably done what I do 12 times by word of mouth, but my pastor recommended me places here and there. And I got a call from Mark Lowry's manager inviting me to go on tour with him, and uh, he was going to put together a tour called Comic uh, belief. That's oh, when the okay. comic relief thing comic was Comic really relief, yeah. yeah. And it was in, I think, in 95, 96, something like that. Okay. Or maybe 1998. Man, I've totally lost track of time. <laughs> but, but my kids were little, you yeah. know. My son was probably three, four years old. And um, anyway, and he loved Mark Wowie. He'd call him Mark Wowie. <laughs> but uh, it was so funny because I had been away from the Lord for a, about a, a time, and I was working in the country music world. Mm -hmm. I had left Opryland, and I was working as a song plugger in a publisher's office on Music Row. Went to a lot of parties trying to get a lot of songs cut, you know, in country music. Back then, that's how you did it. Yeah. It was not a good environment, you know, when you're trying to learn your way and, and being a light in a dark place. It was not a good influence, and I wasn't a strong enough Christian. And when I, I heard a song that just changed my heart, and uh, I was a bitter, you know, angry preacher's kid, mad at the church, mad at the world. And I heard this song sitting in my office and just wept and went in the bathroom and got saved, which I always thought that's funny. I grew up, <laughs> grew up going to church, but I got saved at the throne, if you know what I mean. <laughs> 
And I went home and told my husband, i got to quit my job. I'm not strong enough to stay in this environment, and I want to tell people what God's done for me. I want to tell people, you know, what he's done for me. And I would still do corporate gigs every now and then for Miss Minnie, Mm -hmm. especially conventions coming into Nashville, and she just wasn't able to go and welcome them. I would do it for her, you know. But all that to say, a friend of mine said, we should record what you're doing. And when that got into the hands of Mark Lowry, so I didn't know who Mark Lowry was. I I just knew that there I knew Bill Gaither mm-hmm. you know I had kind of been out of the loop when I left the Christian world and church world there was the Bill Gaither trio which was Danny and Bill and and Gloria and so when this guy calls and says I represent Mark Lowry and he's thinking of putting together a tour um, my mind was like racing okay so first who so tell me who Mark Lowry is and he thought I was being facetious or trying to be funny oh yeah he goes well he, he's with the Gaither vocal band and I said okay, so the Gaither vocal band, is that a quartet? You know, I was just so out of it. And it was so funny. And he just thought I was trying to be airhead, you know, and he would chuckle like, huh, it's not that funny, you know. And finally, I told him, and he was telling me all about it, we're going to do 70 cities over the next four or five months. Uh, It'll be you, a guy named Paul Aldrich, will alternate in. Another guy named Mark Steele was going to alternate in. And a guy named Joe Gaucher was going to alternate in and out of the tour. But it'll be you and Mark for the most point because he really likes your testimony. Mm. (laughs) And I said, well, I appreciate that, but I'm married. (laughs) (laughs) I just thought, you know, I'd heard all the war stories of tour buses of country music stars. Oh, yeah, And I thought, I'm not getting myself on a bus with a bunch of boys. You know, this is (laughs) disgusting, you know. Of course, then, you know, the joke is always later when you meet Mark, you go, it was the most harmless thing you could ever (laughs) do. Yeah, there's no temptation. Yeah, there's no, it was like a brother, you know. But it was, um, it was so funny. And I, so I turned it down. And a couple of days later, I get a call from Mark Lowry. And he said, how come you turn this down? You know, he's real blunt. How come you turn me down? You know, this is going to be fun, and your story needs to be heard. And I'm like, well, I just don't know y'all. And that, you know, middle, little misrighteous, you know. Because when that so pendulum great. swings, it's funny how it's like a pendulum on an on a old grandfather clock. You swing far from the Lord. You know, if you grew up in real legalism, mm-hmm. you swing so far from the Lord in your rebellion. And then you come back to the Lord, and it goes, you think you got to go right back where you were. You know, i got to put my hair up and wipe the lipstick off. Yeah, it I've talked that a lot. <laughs> yeah. So it takes a while for that pendulum to find a comfortable position there in the middle, where you're setting boundaries for your life, but you're, you're not having to kill yourself trying to be righteous. The grace point. That grace point. Yeah. It's exactly right. And so I remember him saying, well, oh, listen, here's what I'm going to do. He hired a woman to drive a van. And I got in a van and followed the bus for the first two shows. Oh, so you could go out comfortably. So I would still go out. I would sleep in this van. It was most, who was the most miserable? Me. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But he did that because I didn't, I didn't know if these were legitimately Christian men or what, you know, and and when uh, we finally got to, uh, we did a concert in Anderson, Indiana, where I got to meet the Gaithers for the first time in my life, and that was like calling my mother. You know, there was no cell phones back then. You had to wait till you get to your hotel, and, you know, and make a call. I didn't even have a credit card. My husband and I were so poor, and I would have to take money to the, you know, desk clerk so yeah. I could use the phone and call home and go, you're not going to believe I met Bill, the <laughs> Bill Gaither. You know, it was just... 
it was just so unbelievable. But I got comfortable with him that I would finally got on the bus and, and slept in a bunk. You oh, know. that's great. But a lot of those, those weekends I spent talking to Paul Aldridge. It's funny how you, that's the tape that you heard. And because we ate lunch together, you know, the, Mark, Mark would sleep all day. We hardly ever saw him <laughs> until about 10 minutes before the show started, you know. Yeah. And he was a superstar. He would come out, and th- 3,000 people would scream and holler and laugh. And it was a great just watching him do that. But one of the most gracious things he ever did, and it's like when you talk about the paving the way for people, he did that for me. At a time when, you know, if you're a headliner, and now I learn about what all headlining means and everything, you're the headliner, so you, op- you close the show down. I mean, you're the big star at the end. Every time... We would get to a point in the show where he would turn to me and say, and we're wrapping up the night, and ask me to wrap up the night mm. with my story, with the story of the deaths of my sisters and the, and the divorce of my parents and learning about grief and then hearing the sound and the gift of laughter. And, and I would sing this song. And every time he would do, do that, then it got to where I would tell my story and we would sing a song together at the oh, end. Wow. He, was, he was very gracious in giving on the stage. Yeah. And now he's a jerk in person. No, I'm <laughs> yeah, just kidding. Course, yeah. <laughs> no, but it was it was so good. And I think for me, and people always ask me why I always go in this direction. For 25 years, this has been the formula of what I do. It's never really been about the comedy. Yeah, I, I wanted it's, to talk about that a little bit. Yeah, it was always about the message, and he, that's where that idea got pressed into my spirit Uh, and a lot of that was my first few years in association with with Bill Gaither he would script a night and follow the leading of the Holy Spirit to where he would wrap up a night Uh, and and of course it was by using music we use stories and songs and you know funny things but but it, it was always about the climax of the night wasn't the biggest laugh the climax of the night was about Jesus. Yeah. And, and I look back down through the years of doing that. It may have, who knows, it may have kept me from making ends, you know, making a, a more of a name for myself in the, in the real mainstream comedy world. But when I look back at that and go, but who cares? Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? It, it, it changed some lives out there. It pointed the way to Jesus for many things. And like you said, it, it began a pattern of transparency for me that I think that was a part of saving my, my life, my, my mental state, my spiritual life. Because even in the Christian market world, we all know that. We have fallen artists all the time. They fall off track or oh, they're yeah. isolated from home too much or they start believing their own press. So it's a danger. The road is a danger zone for people even in Christian music, if not even more in Christian music, because the devil would love to bring down our biggest names. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like Everybody has a target on their back, but I think if you're in, especially like you have a unique ministry. Right. You know the target on Mike Warnke's back? This is probably going to be like three podcasts long. You know, (laughs) Mike Warnke, when I heard about what happened to him, it... um, you know, everybody was all up in arms about it. And it was this Christian magazine that outed him, that yeah. he really wasn't a cult leader. He really didn't even go to Vietnam, or, you know, and all yeah. this stuff that was such a lie. But part of me was like, wait a minute, I can kind of see how that happens. Oh, yeah. <laughs> because how many evangelists 
came to your church as a kid and preached a revival, and right before the second verse of Just As I Am, they bring the music down, and they talk about this train wreck, and, you know, and the guy was taking his last gasp of breath, and he said, son, you need to know who Jesus is, and, you know, they tell a story in such a way, and Two weeks later, a new evangelist comes and tells the same story. And I used to tell my dad, how many train wrecks are there in, the, in, in <laughs> yeah. the song Just As I Am? In other words, sometimes if we're not careful, we take, you see a sea of faces that you have as a communicator worked to get in the palm of your hand. And you realize if I tell the story like this, they'll go, oh, that's sweet. But if I add a little twist here or a little twist there, it's really going to grab them. Your motivation is you want them to open their hearts to know Jesus. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where Mike Warnke got off track. His motivation was he wanted really to see how Jesus can change a life. The problem is... He lied about the life that was changed. <laughs> yeah. yeah. See, I've never. But I've it never... made me love him. It just made me want to throw my arms around him and go, man, I, I can see where people are eating up everything that you say. And, and that's the part of the night where you step away from the exaggerated punchline of a comedy shtick to that moment when the Holy Spirit is prompting you to let's, let's, let's zero this in on the love of Jesus. And you have to be very careful of where the truth comes through it's a huge fine line that's something i struggled with at the very beginning and I think pastors do it all the time yeah These and so the big obloviators on the in the planet yeah. yeah and somebody would say like is that for, is that real and i and one time yeah. i was like oh i'm telling a parable yes. you know and i was like wait a minute is that really good you know and so i had to really try to find the line yeah. my only dealings with mike warnke is I did the Clay Cross tour was my start. Which, wow, I loved him. Again, I'm going to go back to something you said, though, but somebody gave me Dennis Swanberg's uh, yeah. CD, and Clay's manager, actually. And uh-huh. he goes, if you, can get, if you can do comedy like this, I can book you and I'll manage you. And so I listened to Dennis Swanberg, but I would get up on stage and make people laugh and I would sell T-shirts and, you know, yeah. I would do a funny product pitch and stuff. But there was something that I enjoyed it, but it wasn't something I was craving. Wow. And then Kathy Tricoli did a show with us, and she played me a little bit of your, like one of your shows or something that had your testimony. Yeah. And then that's when it clicked, and I was like, oh, this if is I why can make she them does laugh, yeah. then I can talk about my testimony, or right. I can tell them about Jesus. And so I started doing that, even on the Clay Cross Tour, where I only had like 10 minutes to open. Right. I would but find a little way. Something about yourself. Something. Right. Where, where I would talk about Jesus. And that's whenever I was like, oh, I want to do this now. Like, I Aww. really, I was enjoying getting the laughs and stuff. But then I was like, right. oh, now there's a purpose behind it. Yeah. So I get that. But then, so I did that. Then I did the Newsboys tour. Then I didn't have another tour come up for a while. So I had to start booking myself. So I cut a deal with a booking agency in Nashville. Oh, boy. And where I could go in and use their phone system and their mailing list. And I called 200 churches a day. For about four weeks to book a tour for me and this guy named Riley Armstrong. This was my introduction to Mike Warnke. I would call these, like, and a lot of them were big Baptist churches. Mm -hmm. And they would say, nope, after what happened with Mike Warnke. They wouldn't even entertain the idea. So I didn't know who he was. So I had to do some research Research and stuff. What this guy did? Yeah, he was like, are you, let me guess, you're just like Mike Warnke. I was like, I don't even know. Mark Warnke. So I had to go look up the article and figure that out. But, like, it kind of did 
you know, damage. Had, it did damage. So we, we had to take a step back. It seemed like, yeah. So yeah. that's why, again, I appreciate you and, you know, and Mark, Mark Lowry and, you know, uh, Ken Davis and all those oh, guys yeah. that were out there like, no, this can be a really good thing. Yeah. You know, that can be. I think the only thing that saved us from the damage of, of Mike Warnke, and this is certainly not a, a you know, I, I don't look at Mike Warnke now and think how he's, he's damaged everything. Mm-hmm. He's a great man. He's asked forgiveness. He's been, had redemption in his life. Yeah. He, you know, he knows what he's done and, um. But all that to say, I, I do think the thing that saved Ken Davis and myself and Mark, you know, from some of that damage was we weren't just in one particular dom- denomination mm-hmm. and we'd already had an established audience. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. Um, especially my audience was women. I think if you asked, if you went out tonight here, we are in Austin, Texas, and you uh, had ever, how, how, how many heard of Mike Warnke and they raised your hand? Nobody has heard of him because my audience is mainly women yeah. you know what I mean but all that to say where a, a guy like you starting up it was it was a hindrance because yeah. you didn't have an established audience and you had to go prove yourself and mm-hmm. that is that is sometimes the uh the sad collateral damage mm-hmm. when when an artist does fall or when a pastor does fall you know we're at an era right now where everybody's talking about Jerry Falwell Jr. and we're at a time when people are talking about you know, well, it's been a while now, but, you know, Michael English and all the things that people oh, go through. Oh, yeah. And I, See, that had happened right when the Clay Cross tour was starting. So there you go. And people are already skeptical yeah. and worried and, you know, a bunch of men out there. I think, you know, there but by the grace of God, I've been really honest with my life and about my marriage. I was married for 31 years, and 25 of those years is on the road, you mm-hmm. know. And so it's not easy. It wasn't, a, you know, a unblemished you know, a spectacular marriage. We had some spectacular moments, if you know what I mean. <laughs> but um, you made some sandwiches. Yes, we that's did. Our, we did. That's our <laughs> thing. That's, that's what right. we say on the podcast. We, <laughs> we made, made sandwiches. We made some sandwiches. But we, uh, but all that to say, I look at the people when you hear somebody's had a mishap or a boo boo or the, you know, the Amy Grant and the Vince Gill thing. Although I was kind of jealous. Yeah, she got, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. she got Vince Gill. I would like that. How that works out. Yeah. <laughs> You know, um, I met him at an airport one t- in the national airport, and I was really like, I, I, I get it, yeah. I get it. <laughs> I'm a man crush. Yeah, yeah. I've got a little, a little I do too. I do too. And yet they were so honest about how they met and how they strived and worked to avoid that. And then I know Gary Chapman, her first husband, really well, and he he was a jerk, and he'll be the first to tell you, yeah, yeah I was a jerk. You know, so all that to say, I I I, I get so careful throwing any type of dispersion on any that's struggled out there because there but by the grace of God go I the only difference between me and those people is I I maintained a really strong relationship with my pastor and if there was a problem on the road or if there was something going on at home I I came home you know and and quietly and and with reverence worked on things and then slowly would get back out there again um my kids kept me grounded. You know, I had to come home every now and then because I have babies that I missed, you know. And yeah. so there were so many things I look back in this in the span of my career and what people would say was a hindrance holding me back, like telling everybody, had to tell everybody about Jesus. You know, I had a manager would say, why do you, why do you have to close it up? Go out with a big bang. Say, yeah. when they're laughing really hard, say, thank you, that's my time, good night. Just leave them wanting more. And I go, I would try it and I felt absolutely worthless, you know. There were so many things that I see now the hand of God completely directing my path, which makes you feel really guilty when you meet new comics because they want to know, 
what's the formula? How yeah, do I how do, do you it? Do it? Like, yeah. Well, God kind of did it. So I guess he doesn't like you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, okay, all right. <laughs> I can really so hard. relate to that yes. because, and this is what cracks me up. Yeah. I've, had, I've had people, because I do a lot of youth groups, I've had kids come up and go, I want to be a famous uh, Christian comedian too. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, well, first of all, I'm not famous. And second of all, you don't want to be famous. You don't want to have the yes. word famous first. Just be a Christian comedian like, and yes. see what God you know, wants you to do. Right. But then they asked me, like, how do you do it? Well, I did a stand-up competition my junior year in college. One, this guy who saw me went to Nashville and got a job road managing Clay Cross. Clay said it'd be fun to have a comedian out. So this guy who saw me just At tracked contest, me down. Yeah. And he thought I was funny and clean, tracked me down and called. So I'm always like, well, do a stand-up competition your junior year in college and wait for yeah, somebody sure. to call it's you. Exactly Duh, right. that's how we all yeah, do it. You know, that's exactly tell right. me, Shonda, you know. It but I don't hard. I don't have good advice because I think it's unique how God puts right. us into those places. Well, Christian com- comedy, you're right. We don't have, a, you know, tonight the church is having an open bar and an open mic night. No, yeah. we don't have that. Yeah. You just have to wait for a pastor to invite you or a youth group that needs, you know, entertainment. Or like you said, you got on the phone and called 200 churches. Yeah. I think some of the up-and-coming artists out there and comics out there, they want it too easy. They don't want, they don't, they have too much of an ego. They don't want to sit and have to pitch themselves 200 times. Because right. 200 times of pitching yourself, 100 of them and 150 of them are going to say no. Right. And and they don't want to do that. They want to go straight to get an agent and straight to prove themselves to say that they're funny, blah, blah, They don't, they want someone to do a recording for them. They want someone, you know, and I'm like, they don't know how to work. Whereas in secular comedy, in the mainstream comedy world, what do you do? You go to open mic nights at 150 comedy clubs across the country and you just keep working your eight minutes and your eight minutes until somebody notices you and said, well, you can come back next week and be the middle guy, you know, and, yeah, then, yeah. and then do that for about 10 years, and then maybe you'll be the headliner at one of these clubs somewhere. But at least they have a place where you're working out your stuff. Mm-hmm. In Christian comedy, we don't have enough places for people to go work out their material. They, the pastor of First Baptist, wherever, they want the best on their, you know, the best they can get on their platform at that moment for $500, you know what <laughs> yeah, I mean? Yeah, that's and, right, yeah. And so they don't want somebody that that might have a few minutes of not being funny. You know what I mean? They don't. They they, they want an established person, and yet to get established, you got to get that preacher to let you on your stage. It is. It's hard. It yeah. is. It is. Um. I think. I think it's why I'm very proud of of Christian comedy. It is a harder way to go than any bar where people are drunk and laughing at anything. You know, and yeah. any expletive you want to use will get a shocking laugh. You know, it is. Um. For people who are really rock solid going, this is the kind of comedy I want to do. I get, I get very, very proud of them. Yeah. The ones I get aggravated about is the ones, why do you call yourself Christian comedy? Just be a comedian that, you know. I go, yeah, yeah, I could do that because I'm a comedian and I'm clean, you know. <laughs> yeah. But are you brave enough? Do you have enough courage to call yourself a Christian comedian? Because that's hard. And it's going to limit some doors. It's going to, yeah. you know, I see, Jesus I, I isn't so always agree. popular. Yeah. So we, I always go kudos to you, man. Get out there and fight the fight. Yeah. We have a mutual friend who uh, was adamant that we don't call ourselves Christian comedians, that we just be comedians. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and even, I know who you're talking about. Even got up and, and told all a room full of mm-hmm. uh, all Christian of us comedians. It, yeah. and, and then, and at the time he was, <laughs> at, you know, the leading. Yeah. And then, <laughs> I think it's okay to say this, but. And then I ran into him like 
four years later and his career was kind of waning mm-hmm. and he was with a friend of his and he was like, oh, hey, let me introduce you. This is Bob Smiley. He's a Christian comedian too. And I was like, oh, oh so now, so you are now one. we're, yeah, now that yeah. we're trying to get back into churches and stuff, we're it all is. Christian comedians again. Yeah, and, yeah. You and know. you know, I think, I just think there's a great spiritual lesson there. Yeah. The Bible says, if I will be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. So in other words, if I be lifted up, I'll get you an audience. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? It, and if you're, the Bible also says if you're afraid, ashamed of speaking my name, I'm going to be ashamed of you in front of the Father. Absolutely. On Judgment yeah. Day. So it's okay if it's a marketing thing for you, and you really do want to be light in a dark place, and you want to go be a comedian, yeah. you know, on HBO, and you want to work at the, you know, Laugh Factory in L.A., and, and you're a born-again Christian, but God just really has called you there. I get that. Yeah. But if you're doing it because you're a little embarrassed to it's say a heart you're a issue, Christian, yeah. there's, a, there's a problem there. And I call them fence riders. And yeah. we've got fence riders everything. We've got people trying to get into Christian music, and the first hit they get, they're going to try so quickly to cross over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's that kind of, it's their motivation. It's the fence they're on. It's they're not, they, they just want to, you know, toddle on that fence. They're neither hot nor cold. They are lukewarm. Yeah. And lukewarm gets on my last nerve yeah it goes back to again you know like when I finally found my purpose like I felt like I had you know the purpose of not just getting laughs but you know going somewhere to encourage someone that I've always loved the term Christian comedian I want to be called a Christian comedian because I want people to know the Christian part is more important than the comedian part and I want them to know what to expect whenever they come to my shows you know there's going to be comedy but I'm also going to talk about my life and that uh, is a big part of being a Christian. Yeah, now, I have done, I don't know if you, I've done some corporate work. Oh, yeah. You know, home interiors and Mary Kay conferences and, you know, and a few comedy clubs here and there for particular fundraising things or something like that. Yeah. I mean, I know what I know how, what it's like to, and I've, I've even had some pastors going, will you just be funny? And I want to do the, I want to close it up. And, and that's fine. But I, I always, if my name's going to be on the project, and if my name's going to be on the ticket, you know, that's when you're someone else's guest. But if it's someone's going to come into my concert with my name on the ticket, I'm going to do it the way I feel God's called yeah, me to do Yeah, you've earned that right, right. to yeah. do that. How come you don't ever talk about politics? <laughs> <laughs> That's another thing I'm super proud of you about because you just, you don't play around. I'm uh, taking a hit for it, Bob. Yeah. I, I will say, you know, I got a promoter right now that's going, I think your ticket sales are waning because you've talked too much about Trump. I don't think that's true. I think people, I think my fans don't want to come and do a drive-in comedy show and sit in their car. Yeah, I was going to say, there's a, there's some other <laughs> things going on right now that I, I think yeah, affect. I think, yeah, don't, please don't blame it all on me and my politics. Yeah. I um, I tell you where I, I am in that, that, and I have to work really hard at not getting bitter or aggravated at friends yeah. who won't get in the fray, who stay out of it. And I have someone we've already talked about, you know, it's very dear to my life. He tells me all the time, I don't know why you do that. Why do you, why, how, one, how can you support him? Yeah. You know, and they're a Christian. How can you support him? And two, I, I just, you should just keep your mouth shut about it. Don't, you're going to tick people off. And I'm like, well, you know, Jesus ticked a lot of people off. I was going to say there were some tables turned over, I believe, at yes. one part of the and, story. And it's not. Spoiler and, alert, and that by the doesn't way. mean that Trump is the Messiah. Believe me. I know that he's not, you know. <laughs> yeah. But I also know that for such a time as this, the courage that it takes 
to stand for for conservative Christian values. And there is there is two different things here. There is Christian value and then there's conservative value. But I don't think you can have cons- Christian value that's not conservative. Yeah. I don't understand that. Yeah. When someone tells me they're a Christian liberal and I go, "Oh, so you just like like four books out of the Bible, not all of them." <laughs> you know, so which books are you leaving out cuz Romans is pretty hard yeah. on on liberal Christians. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, they're telling you not to do this and not to do that. And so it is, you know, I have my uh, I have my opinion and I stick with them and I share them and and also, at this point in my life, you got a million followers following you on all my social media. If you add all my social media things up together, it's a little over a million people. And that's not a lot when, it, when you talk about, you know, big numbers like Kardashians and stuff like that. But in my small piece of the world, if I have an opportunity to encourage someone to rethink their vote or rethink what they've been hearing... Mm-hmm. And especially to combat all the lies that they're hearing, yeah. Then I just feel this great, you know, not obligation where I'm up at night, but I just feel like this great opportunity that, wow, what if what if they decide we can never go back to worship, and and they take that amendment out of our constitution, you know, what what if they decide we can they're going to regulate exactly how we worship right that's a fear that's yeah. a legitimate what if that fear. what yeah. if and because you know and they're like oh that's never going to happen well we never thought prayer would be taken out of school as well mm-hmm. and we we got complacent and if there's ever been a problem in the church today it's complacency yeah. we are all about entertaining one another and having the best praise band and the coolest lighting system and the nicest coffee bar and I've watched the trend. I've been on the road 25 years and seen the trend of every type of church and worship facility out there. And some of them are fantastic. Yeah. But some of them, I think, are you are you feeding hungry? You know, when you when you get the iMag down, do y'all put a food out there for the hungry people? <laughs> yeah. You know, no. They, it is we are paying the price. You know. And so all that to say, I'm I get off on I get off on the whole <laughs> po- political thing. Yeah. It is. It's not about the man that's in the Oval Office. It's about the principle that's going to take place around that human being, and the you know the Supreme Court justices, and the what's going to happen in your local communities, and when the school board. You know, I was at a I was at a thing for the president, but let me just brag. I was at the White House not long ago, and one of my friends is Congressman Gary Bauer, and he's great, great patriot, an incredible Christian man. Uh, he had ran for president many, many, many years ago, and. Anyway, we're just sitting around killing time before the conference started, and um, and we were at a conference for religious freedom. And I said, you know, because I've been thinking about retiring. What's that going to look like? What am I going to do when I retire? And um, and I really, really, really am thinking about retiring. Yeah. You know, it's it's just time. You know, um, I'd rather go out while I'm still people want to hear me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you know, this pandemic's been hard. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody's got to find it. I didn't. You know, I always go, well, you and Mark Lowry must be doing great. I go, no, Mark doing great he wrote Mary did you know I didn't write Mary <laughs> did you know you know God didn't give me one of those yet yeah. plus I got a counseling center and a farm for pastors you know but all that to say I asked Gary Bauer uh, in this political climate go if you were going to run for some type of public office right now that you really feel like could make as a Christian could really make a good influence on your local community, what would it be, congressman or senator? Or, you know, he goes, school board. 
If oh, we could get great. more Christians on school boards, we could change the lives of our children out there. And I, I thought about that, and I was like, wow, that is so true. So here's the point. If, if as a Christian artist, I hide my head in the sand and don't speak up about the issues like that, maybe by saying that just now, there's some Christian out there will go, you know what, I, I've been interested in what's going on with it, our education system. Maybe I should run for school board. Yeah. So what if I'm not willing to get in the fray? And people go, you know, I don't like him. He said grab this and that when he was, you know, 20 years ago, and I just don't like Trump anymore, blah, blah, blah. Okay, but what if I got the chance to tell him, wait, I saw the man pray. I've seen him be very apologetic to women. Uh, he's empowered more women to have more better-paying jobs than ever in, before in our country. What if I have opportunity to change that person's mind just a little bit to go, okay, yeah, he was a jerk back then, but I, I, I guess I'm going to vote. You know, uh, those, those are big deals. Yeah. And it's, we're just at a place where we can't be quiet anymore. I wish we could. And so it makes you wonder what's the most, back to that heart thing. So it's, what's the motivation? You're afraid of losing a fan who's not buying any DVDs anyway because that doesn't even exist anymore. <laughs> right, you know, right. they're, they're downloading your stuff for free on YouTube. You know what I mean? So mm. it's like, so what are you being loyal about? Saving face? Or is there some heart thing going on that you go, no, I think killing babies are okay, and you're, you don't want to say that. Right, yeah. So, I mean, that's harsh, but it's reality. Yeah. We do. I know you have a show to get ready for, and I've got to download my jokes, but we did want to ask you one serious question. It okay. can be a short answer. No. Um, but uh, one of the things that uh, you guys have in common, she uh, lost, when she was almost 17, she lost her uh, brother, and he was oh, a little over two. I remember hearing um, about that. Yeah. yeah. It drowned. It was a real tragedy. So, uh, you know, she kind of. When we all went out to eat that one yes. night, we, you guys kind of talked about it. But the question we want to ask is, how did it change your view of God and your faith? And, I mean, I know you've talked tragedy. about it. Tragedy. Yeah, the tragedy. I mean, yeah. you've been through a lot, a ton. But wasn't that kind of the first of it all? Yeah. To kind of the first it? tragedy, you know, that I think you're just going through. I had an extremely dysfunctional childhood. Mm -hmm. My father was extremely bipolar, didn't take meds. So he would get off on manic states that was very abusive to us, very abusive to my mother. He was not faithful as a husband, and yet he pastored. So that was the first tragedy, is just the mere confusion and chaos, the controlled chaos yeah. of a pastor's home on a good day is, is, you know, is tough. But then to be in the 60s and 70s and that controlled chaos be wrapped around mental illness, it, it was hard, and he was very, very abusive. But then, the, then my big sister was 20 when she was killed in a car wreck. I was 16, and by the time I was... Uh, almost 18, my little sister got sick for, in high school, and she was 15. I was the middle girl. She got leukemia, and she, she died. Mm -hmm. And those two deaths so close together within 22 months of each other, it was the last straw for my our fragile home anyway. So my father left. My brother was much older. I have an older brother who's almost 10 years older than I am, and he had already married and moved away and started his life, as he should. But it left it left me to feel like I'm picking up the pieces for mom, you yeah. know, and our denomination, you're just out. There was no, you know, apartment, you know, to, to help, to help go, you know, help you heal. There was no paycheck, you know, your housing allowance is gone. So the house you're growing up in and the friends you're loving and embracing, 
the church did not stand by us well. Not even the local church. They were so busy in healing their own wounds because their two pastors' kids had died, and their their pastor left and embarrassed the church, and you know, with a girlfriend, and so so there was no support. The, the biggest struggle for me was bitterness about the church. Yeah, yeah. I had to come to peace more about the church than having peace with God. because And a lot of it growing up was realizing it poorly structured. These churches are trying to meet budgets that are way over their heads and money's going to foreign countries, which, you know, you need all of that. But the way some of them are, you know, we were preacher's kids on food stamps. Because all the budget money of the church was going to some big headquarters somewhere, you know. and So I had to really come to grips with some of that, you know, bitterness and all of that. But, I mean, my mother, my mother and I got very close. And um, she died about seven years ago, eight years ago. And then about six years ago, my husband died. So all of those tragedies are are tough. But the, the worst tragedy of my whole life is a is a child that I'm estranged with and it's been almost 10 years yeah. and I have two grandchildren I've never known and it, it doesn't look like I'll ever know them yeah. except kind of what you said today Bob is so sweet because someday they're going to be in a college somewhere and someone's going to hand them a cassette tape and they're going to clean out their garage and they're going to hear something and all of a sudden they're going to go, holy cow, I think that's my grandmother, you know. So that's kind of good. So you pray your life's work will speak for something. Now my, my, I'm as dysfunctional as there can be and I'm as broken as the next person. But you pray that your life work will mean something. And yeah. for me, it will mean something to a couple of boys that are out there in, in radio land that maybe hear this. Yeah. To know that there's somebody that loved them very, very much. And I love, I love my daughter. I miss her very, very much. Yeah. So all that to say, there is tragedy. There are things worse than death. And what I tell Sarah is the sweetest gift in, the, in our Christian life is to know that this is not the end of our story. Right, yeah. Um, I have, you know, when you get to heaven, Sarah, and your brother is there, he will know you. The Bible says you will be known as you are known. He will know you. To him, you will be that little 17-year-old big sister that drove him crazy. And at some point in your tragedy and in your pain, you stop asking why, and you begin to embrace the when. I'm going to see him again. And you begin to embrace, how do I pass through this? And then you embrace on, how can I share this? So that the person coming up behind me can be encouraged. Because life is filled with tragedy. Mm-hmm. The ups and downs is constant. Somewhere along the way in our Christianity, we we sold a bill of goods when we said, come to know Jesus and everything's going to be great. <laughs> I always go, by the time I end a night in one of my concerts and I've told my own story, I always feel like I want to go and go, I am so sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Go ahead, come to know Jesus. It's great. It's great. (laughs) There's there's some positive points to it too. Not just what I've gone through. Yeah, and I want want people to know I've had a great life. You know, I've had great successes and I've gotten to do more than I ever dreamed or imagined I would get to do. But there is tragedy. And so if you are, you know, if the people listening out there are going, well, why didn't God 
save your sister? You know, why didn't God keep your brother from drowning? Why didn't God heal my sister? Why didn't my God direct the car in a different direction so she didn't get killed? And um, I don't know. But you finally get to a place where you go, I guess I don't have to know. I'm going to have to relinquish to the point of the story that says, my ways are not your ways. Yeah. You know, I had early on in my career uh, started doing this, and I was on the same conference, you know, schedule as a guy named, oh, who was it that wrote? Um, oh, he just, the name just passed, a real famous counselor. And, um, <laughs> you know, he'd written a bunch of books, like Stephen Arterburn or something like that. But I don't think it was him, but it was somebody like that. And I can just remember being all excited, going, I, I can't wait to tell him my story so he can straighten some of this out and, you know, explain some things oh, to me. Because yeah. I was like, you know, where Sarah's been, I just want to know, what was your thinking, Lord, you know? Yeah. And so anyway, and I'll never forget, we waited, we're in the van where all the speakers are taken to the conference. We're back in the van, coming back to the hotel. We're, and I asked him before we all dispersed to our rooms, and I go, sir, may, may I have just a few minutes with you? And he goes, certainly. And he told me I was funny that night and whatever, and he had heard my story and my testimony. And so we're sitting in the hotel lobby, and, and I, just, you know, I just told him some of the details of my childhood that I don't tell on a platform. And I was talking to him about Charlotte and some of the last things she said before she was killed in a car wreck and in Sherilyn's life I was just really telling you know and I just would really like to know why why did God have us go through all that you know and as a pastor's family and what and I've just finished lamenting you know and he stood up and straightened his tie and got his briefcase and he goes well that is that is some story man stuff happens and just walked off <laughs> And I remember standing there stunned going, well, I could have bought a bumper sticker, you know, that's it. <laughs> yeah. it just was like, I'm just so appalled. You know, I just thought, well, he's just been a jerk. The next morning, we're all catching the same van all back to the airport because several of us lived in Nashville. And he had his coffee and he said, so now you want to finish our conversation? Mm. And I was like, oh, he had me go live with that idea. Stuff happens. Mm. And, and I said, yeah, I want to finish our conversation. I was like, if I had to pay you for this session, I would want my money back, you know. And he said, here's what I want to tell you, Shonda. God put in place this thing called the law of gravity. If you drive too fast and it's raining really hard and your car hydroplanes across an oncoming vehicle, chances are, and you're not wearing a seatbelt, and it's 1976 and the cars are not made that great, chances are you probably could get killed. God created this incredible world. Man came along and we interjected our food with all kinds of no-telling what's in our food. We, we have polluted our air. We have, we've not been good citizens sometimes to take care of our environment. And if we consume some of that stuff, for some reason, out of the clear blue, man, you could get a disease like cancer mm -hmm. and you could die. You know, God created us to have this perfect bodies where our, our nervous system is working well with our muscular system and the muscular system is really pushing our blood through correctly. If one of those systems breaks down, you could, you could have some kind of mental illness. You don't know. He said, in other words, God created the world to be great. When the Garden of Eden came along and we made a choice, we messed it up. And so from then on, stuff happens. Mm. It's God that's in the business is to redeem all of that. That's the question you have to ask. Am I redeemed from my anger, from my grief? Am I allowing redemption to work 
its way through my salvation plan, for the, the ideas for my life? That's the question to ask. Not, now why did all this happen? Yeah. Oh, it's so good. Wasn't that great? So good. It is good. I love your listeners. Yeah. I love you, Bob. Um, cool. Well, we appreciate it. Uh, any news on the new movie? Last. Oh, I'm so hoping question. it comes out. They, the last word is the spring of 2021, the, the movie, and it's called Roll With It. Called and Roll it's With funny. It. Yeah, it's funny. You know, one of the best scenes of the movie is one of the karaoke scenes where Michael W. Smith is dressed like Billy Ray Cyrus <laughs> and sings Freebird. No way. That's my, I think that's going to be my finale of my career yeah. is going, look what I got Michael W. Smith to do. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I'm going to close with this last quick story, but in Y2K, when it was about to be um, 2000, we talk about how you always want to encourage people. I was, we just had a baby, uh, and I was not, I mean, we was living paycheck to paycheck, and I got this offer to do a New Year's Eve show, but it was in California, and I was scared to death to fly because all the planes were going to wreck and our computers were going to go. And at that time, I did have your email, and I emailed you. There's no reason for you, uh, you know, like we didn't know each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And... I was like, hey, I really need this money, but, you know, I, I'm hearing all this stuff. And you emailed me right back, and you were like, honey, God's in control. Get on that flight and go out and do what God made you to do. You, it was so encouraging. And I did. I jumped I'm so the- glad. I was so afraid that you were going. And you wrote back, look, you jerk. Leave me alone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> do you have Tim Hawkins' number? <laughs> no. But you, it was, it was so great, and this has been encouraging as well. So thanks oh, for being on our podcast. Thank you, Bob. Podcast. Love you and Sarah very much. I can tell another 10 you ain't going to get.